Today is a beautiful day of celebration. A day to honor the women who've shaped us, nurtured us, and walked us through life. It's a day to say thanks to all the moms. Moms with toddlers tearing through the house, and moms whose babies have moved away. Moms who are doing this all by themselves, and moms who loved a child in need. Moms who have suffered unimaginable loss, and moms whose children are moms themselves. For all the times your love made things better, and the moments your wisdom made things clear, for the way you lived as an example, so we could see Jesus through you. For each and every memory that has lit the path we walk, we say thank you. Whether this is a day of celebration, reflection, or heartache, know that you are loved. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> I was waiting for like something to change in that. Yeah, yeah, that was um, almost depressing to be honest with you. So I, I don't know. Anyway, uh, glad that you are here. Happy Mother's Day, as it has been said. Let me um, give you a heads up of something I'm going to do in the middle of the message. Um, the Lord gave me some cool insight into um, relationships between mother and children that has to do with honor. And one of the mother-son relationships that I'm going to talk about is Solomon and Bathsheba. That's not someone that gets preached about in church a whole lot, right? And so um, I, I, I don't want to give it away right now, but in Proverbs 31, verse 28, it's written, her children rise up and call her blessed. You know the scripture right there. Okay, so be thinking right now. If you want to, I will grab that mic when we get to that part. And if you want to share something that you would bless your mom about, something that you want on record or that you just want to say, then I want to take a few minutes during the service and, and do that and give an opportunity uh, for that right there. I think that there's a power in that. I think that there is a blessing in that. Maybe you would say, if my mother was alive, I would do it. That's not the prerequisite in this. It's your mom. Whether she's here or she's not, what would you bless your mom for? And part of what makes this story really unique is that when you think about the starting of Bathsheba, David, and how Solomon came out of that union, it was messed up in the beginning, wasn't it? But the Lord took what was meant for evil and ultimately did good with it. Bless the nation. Jesus came through the lineage of King David, through King Solomon, and actually through then Bathsheba. Yeah, yeah, you get it. So I don't know who said amen. Who was that? Ah, there we go. You threw your voice. I thought it was you. And I'm like, it shocked me because you are ultimately quiet. Yes, I, I knew. I'm like, we are going to have revival if that breaks out right there. So, um, <laughs> so uh, maybe be thinking about that. And if you want to share something, if the Lord would have put it. But so the context of the question is, uh, how would you bless your mother or what would you bless uh, your mother for? So uh, that's where we begin. Ephesians chapter 6 uh, ter- verse 2 and 3, very familiar, but let me use it in the idea of honor. So it begins that way, honor your father and your mother. Chris and I, um, we had a few days this, this week, um, we were in Phoenix for a few days, 
And uh, so we were talking about the message and Chris comes and she says, you know that scripture that says, honor your mother and your father. And I said, what? She goes, the reason that the mother comes first is because she's most important. And I said, my love, you are misquoting that scripture. But based on that, fathers are the most important apparently. So, uh, <laughs> so honor, honor, uses the word honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. And the promise is so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. And what I saw this week that I thought was very interesting, honor releases life according to that scripture right there. So the promise is life, and that when we honor in the actual giving honor and receiving honor, having a culture of honor, learning to be people of honor, it releases life. So before I jump into it, let me talk about what honor is and what honor isn't. Honor isn't flattery. We live in a culture that flatters. It doesn't truly honor. In fact, I would say to you today that probably one of the bigger things that we have going on in a breakdown of society is that there's not really honor. There's a lack of yeah. honor. Yes. So that we substitute flattery, which is really a counterfeit for honor. Flattery is when you say something with your mouth, but your heart is nowhere near it. Jesus even quoted that from the Old Testament when he talked about some of the worshipers in Israel. He said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are Far from me. So flattery is just to say something, right? It, it, in fact, you can say the same thing. One is flattery, one is honor. So what really honor is? Honor is to recognize a work that God is doing in a person's life. Honor is the ability to celebrate who someone is without tripping over who they're not. Does that make sense? So think about an acorn real quick. Inside of an acorn is a, an oak tree. But no one gets mad at the acorn because it's not an oak tree yet. Thank you. I thought it was cute too. Inside of an acorn is an oak tree. It just takes time. So what we do is we look at a person and because we don't see the finished product, we get mad at them for what they're not rather than celebrating what they are in the Lord. Honor is to be able to look at someone and see what God is doing and what God is going to do in their life eventually. That's the, 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 God looks into the darkness and he creates the light. He calls things out of the darkness. That's what he does with us. It's what he's doing with us right now. So even as we teach on this, the Lord is calling things out of us. So honor releases life. It's not flattery. It's the ability to recognize who a person is without stumbling on who they're not. So I want to give you three pictures of honor that I picked out from the scripture. There's obviously a lot more. But looking at the idea of mothers because it's Mother's Day Weekend, I would just look at the mother-child relationship real quick. The first one, Jesus and Mary. That's an obvious one, but one of my favorite stories, John chapter 2. It's Jesus' first miracle. We know what the miracle is, the changing of the water into wine. But the background to the story, I think it's funny. But um, if you look beyond just the humor of Mary interacting with Jesus, you find a greater truth of honor in it. So John chapter 2, I'll read the first five verses and then tell the story. On the third day... There was a wedding at Cana of Galilee. Um, so Cana is just outside of Nazareth. And if you ever go with me to Israel, we actually go through on the way up to Nazareth, you go through Cana. And uh, it's just a little, it's a smudge of a town. If you blink, you miss Cana, to be honest with you. And it's really known that on the way to Nazareth, you pass through Cana. So there is a wedding in Cana. 
They're down at this time in the Galilee region. Jesus is from Nazareth. So Galilee sits down below on the Sea of Galilee. And uh, Nazareth at the top of the hill and in between then is Cana. So they're invited to this wedding. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. When the wine was all gone, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no more wine, which in and of itself is funny because you, why would you say that to Je- Why wouldn't you say that to the groom's family or the bride's family, right? Why, why Jesus? And at this point, Jesus is not doing public ministry. His ministry hasn't started yet. He's not revealed himself. But Mary, she knows who he is, right? She was there when the angel, remember from the beginning, so she knows. So Jesus said to her, and I use the amplified version And I've told this joke many times. Why the Amplified? Because it's just a little louder. If you don't get that, ask on the way home. All right, so Jesus said to her, here's why I picked the Amplified. Because it puts in the italics there, dear. Many of the translations just simply say woman. Like Jesus is frustrated. Woman. Come on. Like he's talking like that to his mother. But I'm going to point something out to you real quick. This brings out the full meaning of it. If you study it out, uh, in the Greek here, uh, this is, it's a term of endearment, not a term of frustration. So Jesus is not mad at his mother. He actually turns to her and would have been in a, in a, in a, like a person who loves their mother would talk to their mother. Dear woman, what is that to you and me? Rather than, hey, why are you bothering me with this? You get the difference? And I think many times we tell the story as though Jesus is bothered by it but he's not bothered by it at all. What is that to you and me? My time to act and to be revealed has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Is that not like a mother who simply ignores what her son said? It's like he didn't even say it. So one of the reasons I would say to you that I know Jesus wasn't frustrated was because his mother didn't back off and just suddenly leave. She turns knowing He's saying it in a kind way. So I'll point out three things here real quick. Uh, first of all, the Bible tells us Jesus fulfilled the scripture in every way. And if the scriptures tell us, children, honor your father and your mother. If Jesus fulfilled the scriptures in every way, then Jesus never dishonored Mary. Amen. So his response to her is not ugly. It's not uncaring. And it's not, you're bothering me. This is a son with concern and love for his mother. Mom, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not sure kind of what I should do right here at this point. So that's one. Two, uh, Jesus' character is to honor everybody. Can you think of one person that Jesus did not honor? So even when he disagreed with people, never called them names. Now you might go, well, what about brood of vipers? (laughs) I think he said it to the group. (laughs) And last but not least, Jesus said this, I only say and do what I've seen my father say and do. So Jesus, everything that he did is to reveal God's heart here on the earth. So the woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8. Think about that real quickly. The story is that they catch a woman in the very act of adultery and they bring her in without the guy. I think it takes two to tango. I thought that was funny too and apparently nobody else. So, but the guy's not there. They bring the woman in. They throw her down in front of Jesus. The law says that we can stone her. What, What do you say? And they're not concerned about the law. They're concerned in trying to find a way to trap Jesus, looking, is there something that we can catch him in right now? And you remember, Jesus doesn't blurt out an answer. He bends down and begins to write in the dirt. We don't know what he wrote there, 
The word in the Greek is cartographo, like some kind of a graph. So maybe it was the name of the person and the sin of the person. I mean, you know, that would shut the argument up very quickly, right? So she's committing adultery. Maybe he's writing and you stole from... Do you, do you kind of get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So then he stands up and makes the famous statement, uh, the first one of you with no sin, go ahead and throw the stone. Yeah. And then it says, from youngest to oldest, they all drop the rocks, walk away to where no one is left except Jesus and the woman. And she looks up at him and he says, woman, where are your accusers? And she said, I see none. And he said, neither do I accuse you. But he doesn't leave her only with that. He says to her, leave this life of sin. It's killing you. Leave it behind. Walk away from it. God's got better things for you. So what is he doing right there? Is it just that Jesus is a soft and a, a tender-hearted person? Well, yes, I think that that's true. But it's beyond. He is the revealed heart of God on the earth. So everything he's doing, he's not acting like, uh, like he gets confronted with this and that's just suddenly what he comes up with. He only says and only does what he's heard and seen the Father in heaven doing. So Jesus is here on earth to reveal God's heart for people. So the way Jesus responds in all of these situations is the way the Father in heaven responds. Does that make sense? I only say and I only do what I've seen and heard my Father doing. So that when Jesus talks to his mother, he's not talking from the moment of feeling anxiety because she's putting pressure on him. He's talking from the place of revealing God's heart even for his mother. So maybe it would have been better to even put it, hey, mom... I don't know if I'm supposed to do this right now. But what's interesting about this, he makes the statement that my time has not yet come. And she tells the servants, whatever he tells you to do, do it. So she must have known that he was going to honor her, right? And then what does he do? He tells the servants, get the vessels, the stone pots, bring them in. They're about 30 gallons apiece. Fill them with water. He prays over them, turns them into water. Right? So he tells his mother, it's not yet my time. And yet, somehow, in honoring Mary, he's activated into his ministry. Yeah. not interesting? He honors her, and it activates him into ministry. And then it says this, which is really interesting. If you read through that, the next verse, after the miracle, says that his disciples believed in him at that time. Huh. And I wonder if there was just something that, you know, in the act of honoring, God had something even more powerful that you know, that he did that was just amazing. And I just think that idea that honor releases life, you can see it in all of the miracles, but especially in Mary and Jesus right here. So I wrote down, here's a principle that maybe we could pay attention to. Honor makes the person more important than the plan. Isn't that true? Honor makes a person more important than the plan. And I just think that the way Jesus treated his mother in that situation, if you look at his character, you look at how he honors people, and you look that he is revealing God's heart, there's no question in my mind, he was never frustrated with her, he was never angry with her, he didn't feel pressures from her. I think he just was like, wow, this isn't how I was planning it, but because you asked me, I'm willing to do it. That's pretty amazing. To honor. If we could develop a culture of honor, I mean, we live in a day where it is so, people are ready to drop the gauntlet and go to battle for, the, you look at them sideways and they're ready to, and especially after the pandemic, yes or no, does it not seem like the world is more angry now than ever before? Honor has a way of releasing life where dishonor has a way of taking that from people. I think people go to war over dishonor. 
where honor can bring peace to a situation. I just wonder if the church developed more of a culture of honor, if that wouldn't, uh, <laughs> if that wouldn't do. I, in fact, I would say to you, I wonder how many, how many unsaved family remain unsaved because we don't develop a culture of honor. We're quicker to criticize and to cut than we are to honor a person. Does that make, make any sense? All right, so let me get to the second one then. Solomon and Bathsheba, which is admittedly a weird one and not one that I started out, but something that the Lord showed me. So let's, uh, let, let's, we'll pick it up in 2 Samuel chapter 12, uh, 24 and 25, and I'm asking you the question again. How would you bless or honor your mom? What would you honor them about? What have they done for you that you would like to call attention to or speak up? Because even in the worst situation, there's something there that the Lord can use. So 2 Samuel chapter 12, just these two verses, David comforted his wife Bathsheba and went to lay with her. She gave birth to a son, and David named him what? Solomon. So we know that Bathsheba uh, is Solomon's mother, it's David's wife. Uh, go to that next one. And the Lord loved the child and sent word through Nathan the prophet, and he named him Jedidiah. Remember, in Hebrew, all of these names are little Hebrew sentences. So this little Hebrew sentence is, beloved of the Lord. How would you like every day that every time somebody calls your name, they say, hey, you're the one that God loves. Would that not reinforce an identity in you that would be incredible? I mean, I wonder how many times we've called other names. See, I paid attention to this. Every Mother's Day commercial, watch this for the next 24 hours. Every Mother's Day commercial is about escaping your children and finding a box of wine. <laughs> yes or no? Watch them. Every one of them. How do I escape the kids and how do I find a box of wine? And it's double if I can escape and find the wine at the same time. That's the, the double blessing. And so the world has this. Can I just say to you that being motherhood is a much more profound blessing than how can I escape from the kids for a few hours and get in the tub with a box of wine? I'm trying, bro. I wish a woman would have said amen there, though. Not a man in that situation right there. I was looking for some female comfort right then. Got none from any of you. Motherhood is much more incredible than a bath and a box of wine. Yes. <laughs> so let me tell the story real quickly. Um, you probably know it, but it begins uh, in Samuel with King David in a bad place in his life. It says at the time when kings go out to war, David remained behind in Jerusalem. And Israel ends up in a battle, and David's supposed to be there, not leading the troops, but encouraging. He represents the reason for why they're doing what they're doing. David's the personification of the king, right? He, he's the reason. He, he's, he represents the Lord's blessing to Israel and the anointing that's on Israel. And so David is not where he is, encouraging and leading the people. He remains behind in Jerusalem. And then if you, uh, if you ever study that out, some scholars believe that David was struggling uh, with, with depression at that time and going through some difficult things. He's not sleeping because in the middle of the night, he's up walking around on the roof of the palace. Literally the middle of the night. He says that he looks down and he sees a woman bathing. And by the way, you know, like is she just out in the open? Is she a temptress? So there would have been lattice work. So he would have had to stare to find but that's what he's doing and he sees her while she's bathing and then he sends for her and she goes and her husband is at the war he's a general he's where he's supposed to be 
David's not where he's supposed to be. I mean, how many times have men gotten in trouble because they're not where they're supposed to be? Think about it. That is usually one of that. You're not where you're supposed to be. You have lost your focus. You've lost your vision. You've lost your heart. I, and this is not a message about men, so let me move on from that real quickly. So he's, he's not where he's supposed to be, looking at things he's not supposed to be looking at, but he's got power, so he sends for her. She comes to him. Uh, her husband is Uriah, who's a general in David's army and one of David's good friends. So David is not only, this is not just some random woman. I'm not saying that would make it any better, but this is the wife of a friend who's away doing what David is supposed to be doing. So David takes her, sleeps with her, and a couple of months later, she finds out that she's pregnant. The rule of thumb was, when at war, no man was allowed to sleep with his wife during that time. The belief was that by doing that in those days, that it pulled some kind of ability to fight from you. Okay, you probably studied that in some of your older, uh, you know... And so uh, the rule was they were not allowed to sleep with their wives. So there's no way for him to cover this up. Because not only is Uriah not home, but even if he was, he's not supposed to be doing that. So David devises a plan. How can I, how can I cover this up? Brings Uriah home, hoping that Uriah will go in to sleep with Bathsheba. Nobody will know any difference. David, of all people, who has such a heart for the Lord, that's why they think he's in such a bad place, because this guy who gave all to follow the Lord, is suddenly, who is this man? So it's just the proof that a good man in the wrong place at the wrong time. We're all capable of things that... Yes, no, believe it, don't believe it, it's, it's true. It's why you don't take anything for granted and keeping your heart right before the Lord, you never outgrow that. That's not some young thing that a kid got at camp. It's something that 60-year-old men need to keep doing. You need to keep your heart right before the Lord and you need to stay in that place with him. Okay, so um, Uriah comes home. He doesn't want to be home. He even complains, hey, my men are fighting. Why am I here? David tries to encourage him to go in uh, to be with his wife. Uriah sleeps in the doorway of his house. He won't even go across the doorway because he doesn't want to be tempted. So he doesn't sleep with her. So now David has to go to a higher level. So he talks to some of the other generals, and this is what he says, find the hottest part of the battle, get Uriah in it, and then withdraw and leave him there. Who is this guy? Is this the guy that has a heart after God? Anybody else here? Who is this guy suddenly? And that's exactly what happens. He sacrifices Uriah to cover up a sin. And then, after the morning time is over, he takes Bathsheba as his wife. But there's a prophet, that same prophet that came and said, call him Lemuel. That same prophet comes to David and says, I need to tell you a story. He said, in a great big kingdom, there's a man who has thousands and thousands of sheep. Man, he is a shepherd of shepherds. He's got more than he can take care of. The Lord's blessing is on him. And in the same place is a shepherd who only has one little sheep. And he loves that sheep very much. Well, the shepherd who had so many couldn't let the guy have his own sheep. So he killed the guy and took his sheep. And he said, this is going on in your kingdom, David. David was incensed. Tell me his name and he'll be dead before the evening is over. 
And this little prophet had to make a big decision. Do I fear the king or do I fear God? And he said, David, it is you. You've done this. Here's how we know David had a heart after God, that when confronted with his own sin, instead of killing that prophet for disrespect, David repented before the Lord. Never underestimate the power of repentance. But the reproach that he brought upon the name of the Lord, sin has consequences. And it cost him the life of the child. That's a high, high penalty. And she lost that baby uh, a week after the baby was born. But then it says that after the repentance, it was that same prophet who called out the sin, who came back to David and pronounced that the Lord is pleased with your heart and pleased with what you've done. Change his name. You can call him Solomon, but change his name also to be Lemuel, meaning the one that the Lord loves. How about that for restoration right there? I said, why am I taking the time to tell this story? I think all mother-child stories are not as clean as Jesus and Mary. Some of them have a background to them that are very difficult. Some of them have a past. Some of them have a history. Some of those things are hidden. Some of those things are never talked about. Some of those things are carried around in the heart of a child for the rest of their life. It's a wound. And unless the wound gets healed, you end up acting out of the wound. And the repeating of past sins... It comes when we don't let the Lord heal our heart from the wounds that we have inside of us. And you think to yourself, well, those are things that a child can't handle. Listen to me. I know men and women older than I am who still act out of a wound that happened to them when they were 5, 6, 7, 10, 15. Wounds are wounds. They hurt. And the wound of a parent in particular? Mm. My goodness. Anybody hear me? carry those things around. And I think what makes this story so incredibly interesting is what started out in the most wicked way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's no, look, one of my defenses of the word of God too, when people, how, why do you believe it? Why do you think that it's true? Uh, scholarship, I can talk to you about that. Authenticity and how it was written, I can talk to you about that. But one of the ways that I know it's true and it's right is this is not someone selling you something, only writing down all of the good things. They're putting all of the wrinkles, all of the gray hairs, all of the scars, all of the ugly, because no one's trying to sell you something with the scriptures. They're trying to tell a greater story that even in the greatest of sin, God is greater than the greatest of sin. His ability to take what was meant for evil and to turn it and do good with it. Never underestimate what God can do in your life. Never underestimate how God can move in your past, how he can use those things to bring glory even today. Never. So we find ourselves with a story that on the outside of it, man, why in the world would they put this story in? Like, hide this. (laughs) My mom says in the South, the difference between the South and the North in the south we put our crazies on the porch and let everybody see them in the north they hide them all is that a southern thing or what right there there's some things in families you just don't want out there yes or no and if you have control of who's writing this tell me you wouldn't be tempted to hide that 
and yet it's not hidden. It's put out there for all to know and all to see because this speaks more of the glory of the Father yes. rather than the glory of a person. Yes. Amen. Mm. It's powerful. The honor <laughs> between Solomon and Bathsheba, then this becomes really interesting because while I'm studying this out, I did not put these two things together. I think I, 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 I had a trail, but I never connected the dots together to see this. Proverbs 31 is known as what? I, you know, here's what I... Uh, it's, just, it's not a trick question. I'm not... Proverbs 31 is known as the Proverbs 31 woman. Aren't you like, oh, he's going to preach that on Mother's Day. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Proverbs 31 is almost this impossible to live up to woman. Obviously written by a man. Is that true? Who wrote Proverbs 31? Solomon? Okay, Proverbs 31.1, the words of King Lemuel. Lemuel is another name for Solomon, the oracle which his... That, come on, guys. The words of King Lemuel, which is another name for Solomon, the oracle which his... Mother. Who was his mother? Bathsheba, Bathsheba wrote Proverbs 31. I be too. I'll be darned. <laughs> Proverbs 31, 28. These were her words. Solomon just wrote them down. Her children rise up and call her. Blessed. The word blessed literally means to be happy, prosperous, or to be admired. So she's saying the end of the matter is better than the beginning of the matter. Amen. You know, Ecclesiastes says that. Yeah. The end of the matter is better than the beginning. Yeah. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Because what God can do with the end of it, if you trust him and let him have it and let him work and not control it and not try to take it back and not try to cover it up and hide it and act like you're more, let God have it all. Yeah. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Let him work through it. Let him get his glory out of it. So she has the experience of this later in life and then writes Proverbs 31, what God can do through a person. But in 28, she says her children rise up and call her happy, prosperous, or to be admired. So my question to you would be, what would you bless your mom about? What would you admire in your mother? Mine's not here tonight. She'll be here tomorrow. She's out with one of my brothers for dinner tonight. So this isn't for her to hear right now. It's for me to tell you. Let me tell you what I admire about my mom, what I would bless her about. My mom, my dad abandoned our family uh, in the middle 60s. I was born in early 64, and by 67, he had left a woman who was barely in her 20s with two little boys, nothing more than a high school education in the deep south. And poverty was the rule of the day for us. And my mother could have quit and she could have given up. She could have walked. In fact, it would have been easier. Sorry, but it would have been easier for her to walk away. It would have been easier for her to let the state step in. It would have been easier for her just to say goodbye. But my mother had a tenacity. I remember in a little town called Bastrop, Louisiana, which is in the middle of never heard of it and not going there. <laughs> At about 10 years old, 
uh, being afraid one night <laughs> in a thunderstorm and saying to my mom, I'm afraid something's going to happen to the house and all this fear. I'm afraid someone's going to break into the house. I'm afraid something's going to happen to us. I remember my mom looking at me so I was nine or ten and just telling me, they'll have to go through me to get to you. And her words, they weren't words. They weren't flat. It wasn't coming from her lips. It no. was in her heart. How do I know? Because she stuck it out when it was yeah. tough. Yeah. What would I bless my mom about? She put in me a tenacity yep. that says, you don't run, you stick. Yep. Come on. You don't leave. You don't walk away. You don't quit. You stick. You stay. Yep. Uh, right. yep. Yep. She married again. A man who was killed in a car accident just a few years later. This is my mom losing two husbands in such a short amount of time. She married a third time to a man who was beat her without mercy for 10 years. 10 years. What the Lord has done in my mom's life and because of what he allowed, what she allowed the Lord to do in her life I'm standing yep. Yep. with one wife. Yep. And that's not looking down on anybody else's situation. I'm just talking about my situation. What would have been easy yep. yeah. to walk away. Yep. It puts something inside of me to stick and to stay and to figure it out. Does that make any? Yes. Yes. I bless my mom. My mom struggled with alcohol and gave her testimony on a worship night not too long ago of how God delivered her from it those were rough days but through all of that I had a mom who stuck the truth of the matter is it was not some straight line it was a straight line using a crooked stick to draw it that makes sense but is that not true for everybody in this place yes or no everybody in this place all of us have things all of us have a past all of us have something that God has had to do in us, right? Or is doing in us. Come on, acorn. There's an oak tree in there someplace. What would you bless your mom about? Amy. What would you bless? I wrote mine down. Okay. I would bless you with his yoke. A long, healthy life. Laughter. Fun. I take from you the cares of the world. I bless you with the deepest desires of your heart aligning with the will of God and being answered sooner than later. Better dance moves. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> For every once in a while to put yourself first, I bless you with a deep-rooted identity in him. And lastly, I bless you with an unbroken circle when we arrive in heaven. Very good, yeah. My youngest son, what would you bless your mom with? Well, I didn't write this down because Amy cheated. Um, <laughs> but um, when asked the question, I think the best way that you can really, I guess, learn what your parents sacrificed was becoming a parent. So what I would honor you with is just the sacrifice, day in and day out, 
that you did for me as a child, driving me to football, driving me to school, and actually going through it now and realizing how much pain in the butt it is. <laughs> Thank you. I honor you for teaching me to do whatever I do to the best of my ability, to always finish through with everything. I honor you with being my best friend. I honor you with just so much, teaching me how to get on my knees and pray to the Lord. I love you, Mom. I honor you. Thank you, son. Okay. It can be your turn. Is there anything that you would like to say, honor your mom about? I'll do two or three of them. Uh, My mother passed away when I was 11 years old. She had a uh, celebrial hemorrhage, and she was paralyzed and couldn't speak. And when I was 11, I found her on the floor, and uh, I went, she went to the hospital, and she was there. Uh, and my dad told me, he said, uh, don't, don't you and your brother, Johnny, he's two years younger than me, plan on anything after school. Uh, your mother wants to pray for you. And uh, so we went to the hospital and she and I, was, I said, well, we should be praying for her. And she was paralyzed and I think that she must have asked the Lord for uh, something special, a favor, to pray for her boys and her family. And she prayed for us, Johnny and I. We went to, to her bedside, and she said a wonderful prayer to watch over us, keep us safe and keep us saved and walking with the Lord Jesus. And that prayer, I couldn't get out of my head. And when I, I, was, I wasn't serving the Lord at a little later date, and when I was 22 years old, the Lord was dealing with me to get right. And he brought up to my remembrance. He said, you remember your mom prayed for you on her deathbed. And that was the thing that I could not escape. And that's when I made a decision at, at 22 years old to serve the Lord. And her prayer was, for my family and future families and the, my brother's family, all of her children and their families. She prayed for John because he's part of the family and the heritage. So I will eternally be thankful to my mother 
that was the greatest, one of the greatest events in my life, if not the greatest. And I'll remember it forever. She was a wonderful woman to pray for someone when she was on her deathbed. That's right. Amen to that. JJ? My mom is one of the most humble and genuine people, and I get the joy of having her as my mom my whole life. Um, but, mom, you've been everything to everyone in our family forever. Always carrying the weight and not saying a word. Loving us when Ethan, my brother, and I were hard to love. And <laughs> <laughs> so the things I just would want to bless you with is you've always been peace. You carry the peace of Jesus beyond my understanding in every situation. I bless you with peace and with all that is happening, that you would have peace beyond your understanding. You've always allowed freedom for us to be the people we are and encourage us in who we are. Bless you with the freedom to let go of the things you can and just be free to be you. And right where you're at, You've always called out, not just that our lives would be happy, that we'd find joy, the joy that the Lord can only bring. In every situation, no matter what it was, what we were going through, what you guys were going through, you'd find, and you still do, find joy in a way that I sometimes am just baffled by. So I bless you with joy to overflow out of you in everything. You're an, an unending lover of the people you love, no matter what and an unending understander of people, to care deeper, to go farther, to be there no matter. I bless you with that, that the people that we are around you and your family could do the same for you. You've always cared for us first, so I bless you in this part of our lives when we get to be adults now, to care for you first. That's good, Jay. Hey, no, no, give me that. Hug your mom. <laughs> hmm. Let's do one or two more. Anybody else want to say something? Joe. My mother passed away 13 years ago. And I just want to say, dear woman, I love her. And I bless her with my love. And I just thank her for taking good care of me always. That's good, bro. That's good. Honor your mom. Oh, sure, now it gets going, everybody. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with a female here. Yes. Yes. So my mother raised 11 children with my father. Wow. And um, We bless always, her for yeah. that, right? Yes. She's, she's with the Lord now. Okay. But um, before, on her deathbed, we called every great-grandchild and grandchild, and she talked to them and told them to stay close to Jesus. <laughs> And um, she was a gracious woman. Mm. She had diabetes. She was an amputee in a wheelchair. And she loved Jesus. So I honor her with my love. Amen. That's awesome. Well done. All right. One more. One more, one more, one more. Okay. I'm 
Um, I'm not a great speaker, so forgive me, but um, I'd love to honor my mom. She um, unfortunately lost my brother shortly after he was born, and I didn't find this out till much later. And when I was a parent, it really stuck with me that he was born with Down syndrome, and she says she remembers sitting in the hospital looking at him, because back in the 80s, they didn't know that that, you know, until he was born. And so she looked at him and said, I'm going to do anything that I can do to protect you. Um, and unfortunately, she did what she could, but it just wasn't his time. And I, I was four years old, and she, I never remember her ever giving up on me. I don't remember her being sad. She could have easily crawled into bed and disappeared, and she didn't. She was always there for me, and she always is there for me. She's there for my kids. She's flying in next week to help paint their bedrooms. <laughs> um, <laughs> she, she's always willing to help for her friends. All of my friends love her. They love spending time with her. She's my best friend, and I would just honor her with and bless her with the peace that she deserves. And yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. I think you speak quite well. I know there are, there are more um, and more that people would like to share in the interest of obviously a service. I'm going to move, move forward with that. But if you want to post those things on our website is a place for testimonies. And we love those. We love to share them with people. And if you want to post something about your mom, you wish you would have been able to say or there was more time, it would be a great place to be able to do that and people can see them uh, on there. Uh, give you the last, uh, the principle then. Uh, honor from the heart is the gift that money can't buy. Yes or no? You yeah. just saw it. Yeah. Flattery can be bought. Mm -hmm. yes. yeah. true. You can pay for flattery. What you cannot pay for is honor. Yeah. Honor comes from the heart. You can pay for somebody's time, but you can't buy their heart. Mm -hmm. The heart is something that someone freely does or does not choose to give you. When you give your heart, you're giving honor in that situation. So what you heard in those was honor being bestowed upon people. Does that make sense? Let's give you the last one then. Uh, this one is an anonymous mother and son. Doesn't list their names. Uh, it only tells this quick story about them. This is 2 Kings chapter 4, 1 through 7. But they participated in a really uh, incredible Miracle. So let me show you this uh, real quickly. This uh, begins, Now one of the wives of a man of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha for help, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant reverently feared the Lord. But the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves in payment for a loan that they had. Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have of value in your house? She said, Your maidservant has nothing in the house except a small jar of olive oil. Then Elisha said to her, go and borrow containers from all your neighbors, empty containers, and don't just get a few, get as many as you can, in other words. Then you shall go in and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour out the oil that you have into all these containers and you shall set aside each one when it is full. So she left him, shut the door behind her and her sons. They were bringing her the containers as she poured the oil. When the containers were all full, she said to her son, bring me another container. And he said to her, there's not another one left. And then the oil stopped multiplying at that point. 
Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil, pay your debt, and you and your sons can live on the rest. So it is a powerful miracle that takes place here, but it doesn't ever tell the names of the two people. And what I pulled from that um, when I was putting the message together ministered to me in this way. Um, It was her son who went and got the containers by implication from that. She didn't know how many they had, only he knew. And he was the one handing them to her whenever it would become full. He'd hand her the next one, and she kept saying, okay, bring the next one. He finally said, that's it, there are no more. I got as many as I could get. He obviously had gotten quite a few. And here's what I wrote. His job was to gather as many containers as possible. What he had actually was the honor of helping his parent. And there's not many greater honors in life. Young people, look at me real quick. You won't remember this probably. But at some point in your life, you're going to go from being the child to being the parent. You find yourself in that situation. It's funny. You know, I started the church 34 years old. And now I'm just a little bit away from 60. Started the church at 34 and I'm raising my family. And there's an old saying um, that they teach pastors. You attract who you are, not what you want. You attract who you are, not what... So the trick is to become what you want. If you want people of character, be a pastor of integrity. Does that make sense? But in a broader sense, at 34, I attracted a ton of young families. We were raising our kids, and what we had were a lot of families who were raising their kids. But you stay someplace 25 years, and you go through... A cycle. And now my children have children. And I went from being a father to a grandfather. And I went from being a young pastor to a not too much older pastor. (laughs) And what I see now in my church is that it's not full of young families only. There are many people who are close to my age and many people who are close to my station in life. Think about it. Within a few years, either way, there's many people now close to that place in life. And so what I have learned along the way is for so many years, I was a child to my mom. But in the last few years, I've become more, not her parent, but like a parent. I assist her when it comes to how she runs her household and how she pays her bills and is everything getting done and let me go get your prescriptions, and are you taking these things, and do you need to go to the doctor? I'm the one who advocates with her doctor yep. when she needs something. Does this make any sense yep. at all? So look at me real quick. There's not many greater honors than being able to assist your parent if you have the opportunity right. to do so. Right. Not because you owe them, but because you get to do it. Yep. I get to. Yep. It's a privilege to be able to do it. Yep. It's a privilege to serve her. Where do I get this from? The model for my life is not a book by an author here on this earth. (laughs) It's by an author who sits at the right hand of the Father in heaven. My hero and the one I place the star beside is Jesus. And the way he lived his life is how I want to emulate my life. And I know I'm a long way from that, but that's at least the goal that I aim at. And in John 19, 26, when Jesus is on the cross... And he is about to give his life for all of us. The only people that stayed close to him, his mother, the other Mary, and John, 
the one that Jesus loved, according to John. Yeah. <laughs> and in John's Gospel, 1926, so Jesus, seeing his mother and the disciple whom he loved, esteemed, standing near to the cross, said to his mother, here it is again, dear woman. That same term that he used in John 2 when he did the miracle is how he addresses his mom now. Mom, here is your son. And then he says to John, here is your mother. What's he doing? He's no longer the one to be able to take care of his mom because he's passing from this life to eternity. So he makes sure that his mother is taken care of. He's the one that sets the standard for how we do what we do. You can have a past in a situation, but when God gets involved in it, the past should not be the thing that defines your future. It's an honor to be able to take care and to watch over a parent. And in particular, I think, a son to a mother. It's a huge thing. And I don't know why I felt the need to share that one right there, but I did. Maybe you're in a position where you're finding it's expensive or it takes a lot of time or it's hard or I wasn't prepared for this. I don't know that you ever get prepared for it. It just happens to you suddenly and you're doing it. But it's the honor of a child to watch over a parent. Thank you for that huge amen there. It's what we do. It's the right thing to do. I don't know what the ending is. I know that honor is what the message is about. I know that it's a deeper message. I know that it touches on issues of the heart. But I just thought what an opportunity to talk about the scriptures and honor and how important honor is. And what is honor? Honor is not flattering. Honor is the ability to celebrate who someone is without tripping over who they're not yet. To be able to see what they're going to be. To know that God has his way in the situation. Amen? Amen. Amen. So Lord, we love you. Thank you for the opportunity just to be here to serve you together, Lord. We just bless you. Bless this weekend. Lord, I bless the moms in this room. If you're sitting next to your spouse, uh, who's the mother of your children, or maybe your mom is here, would you just maybe put your hand on their back or their shoulder, their arm or their hand, take their hand for just a minute? Hmm. So Lord, we just want to bless a gift that you've given to us. Maybe the proof of your love in many of our lives is a mother. Maybe we see the revealed heart of God through a mom in our life. So Lord, we just want to say thank you for that. We want to bless mothers this weekend. We want to pray, Father God, for just a special anointing and care that's there. Lord, when I wrote the message, I knew one of the things I was going to say is that not every situation is a Jesus and Mary, where everything was just great. Some of them have had really rough beginnings, middles. Maybe even it's rough in the present. Maybe you hear the message and it causes you more consternation than it does comfort. But I just pray that what's impossible with man is possible with God. And that you would have the faith to believe that God can do all things. And I would pray that the end of the matter will be better than the beginning. And I pray the blessing of the Lord. Over each person in this church this weekend, Lord. 
And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Pastor JJ. Thank you, Pastor John. Yeah. Hey, real quick before you go, a couple things. One, if you're new here, you have questions, you want to talk to a pastor across our lobby. We have the first five room. You'll see it on the wall. We have a pastor over there waiting. We'd love to meet you, talk to you, have a gift for you. So if that is of any interest to you, head that way as soon as the service is over. Also, if we can pray for you in any way, we have a prayer team that will be up at the front on either side of this area of the stage uh, as soon as this is done as well. So hang out in here if you'd like to be prayed for, and somebody will be happy to jump up and pray with you. Also, to all the moms, happy Mother's Day. We have a gift for you. So if you head across to our Welcome Center, they're out there for you. And like Pastor John referenced, if you want to share something about your mom, it's jfc.org testimonies. That's going to be the best way for it to get posted right up that we can all read and Everybody else, go and check it out and see what people are saying about their moms. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you guys for being here. We'll see you next weekend.